Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Polly Campbell, and this is Simply Set. Hello, hello, hello. I'm Polly Campbell, and you're listening to Polly Campbell's Simply Said, the podcast where we talk about how to live well, do good, and be happy so that we can do the work that matters and live the lives we want to live. I think it's easy to get overwhelmed by that kind of mission, right? To do the work that matters in a world that seems filled with so many big problems, injustices and issues and climate change and pandemics and everything else. It's easy to sit back listening to this podcast and think, oh, well, yes, in theory, I'd like to change the world. But there's nothing I can do. I don't have the money. I don't have the time. I don't have the resources. I am not enough to make a difference. You know, I don't believe that. We've talked about this before. This is why I do this podcast, because I do believe what we do in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, make a big difference in the world. And today we're going to get all into that. Because today we have Alex Amuyel, the executive director of Solve, which is an initiative of the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, and the author of her newest book, The Answer Is You, a guidebook to creating a life full of impact. It's a leadership book designed to change the way we think and work in the world. And I think now is the time. The world needs us, right? And we need the world to work better for all of us. Alex, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Polly. It's a delight to have, it's really our missions are very aligned between the podcast and the book. So, so delighted to be here. Well, good. I'm, I'm delighted to have you because I think this stuff makes a difference. And I think when we're sitting alone in our homes, it's easy to think we can't make a social impact. We can't make a difference. And you have vast experience. I mean, you've been the director of programs at the Clinton Global Initiative and work with Save the Children. You've been all over the world. You've seen first firsthand what an individual effort can do to change the world. Yes. And I really wrote that book for that purpose to obviously the book is called The Answers You and the corollary to that is saying everybody should get and can get involved in having a positive impact in their lives. And I really do think that people want to live lives of purpose, but often they're confused, overwhelmed, or are not sure where to get started. So that's really why I wrote this book. Yeah, and I love that because I do. And, and research shows that we feel better. We have greater joy in our own lives and feel more satisfied when we are doing something of purpose to make a difference. In your book, you talk about the social impact space. 
What do you mean by that? What is a social impact space? I think it's the community of actors who are dedicated to social and environmental impact. So, uh, you know, big and small, but that obviously you might think that that's sort of nonprofits uh, in general, but it's uh, that's a very small part of that social impact space. Um, obviously, governments, uh, entities at the local, state, and federal level in the U.S., but obviously uh, different globally. Uh, corporations, foundations, multilateral institutions, such as the United Nations and the World Bank, all of these people play a role in have roles in the social impact space. But part of the book is to say you too, as an individual, but also as uh, sort of collectives of individuals uh, through your community or family or neighborhoods, your religious institutions have a role to play in the social impact space. And we need you to sort of claim the, the role um, in that space as well. Where do we start with that? I mean, you lead one of these organizations, Solve, and, and your mission, you're, I mean, you're looking for innovative ways to solve the world's problems. But how do I, I, I've got a cat here on my shelf, and I'm sitting here, you know, doing the podcast. Where do I start thinking about my own contribution to these issues? Um, well, Great that you asked that question. That is that is the, the whole purpose of the book. And the, the first uh, advice I have to, to people when they want to get started, which is in fact the first chapter of the book, is what I named revealing your superpowers. Um, so really sort of before you go out and saying, I want to save the world, I have this problem I want to solve, great impetus, harness that energy, but start by looking within and start to think about what are your superpowers. And your superpowers, I sort of play on, on this sort of riff a little bit in the book of, 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 of saying we all have superpowers, but we do, we're all unique. We all have talent, ingenuity, creativity, things that we're good at, things we're less good at. And thinking about your superpowers as the sum total of your skills, your lived experience, also the things that happen to you which are bad, which are traumatic that you learned from. And thinking through that is like the first question. The second question is then thinking about the problems of this world and you can think about them top down the way that the United Nations thinks about them at a global level, like the big problems like climate change and health security and other things. Or you can think about them bottom up. What are the problems that I have seen that I have faced in my life, that I have faced in my community, that my family has claimed that I witnessed in my neighborhood. And, you know, then sort of in one way, thinking in both of those ways allows you to think about problems that might resonate with your story and with your community, but also have this bigger, um, you know, have this real bigger mission and bigger, you know, that if you face this problem, it might in fact be that there are also millions and billions of people who also face that problem in some way or who witness that problem. And at the intersection of your superpowers, what you can contribute to the world and your where you can best use your talent and ingenuity and sort of a problem that really millions and billions of the most underserved face hopefully lies your purpose. I think we sell ourselves short because 
you know, my friends in particular, just in my small community, they have unique talents that really address some of the issues that I'm dealing with as a mom and as an entrepreneur and all these, and they help me all the time. But when we're sitting here thinking, well, what can I do to influence climate change or anything else? It's real easy to be short-sighted and not recognize those skills we have as talents that could make a difference for people beyond our neighborhood. Yeah, exactly. And so that's why I I say sort of start with your superpowers. Yeah. Because indeed, sort of, I think, especially when people get started in, let's say, a great way to get started is is sort of thinking, I, I have a chapter where I say, start with 10% of your time and your money. And that could be volunteering, that could be starting a side gig, that could be taking a course on something, right? Like, at least on the time portion of it. But often when we volunteer, we'll let's say if it was on climate change or something like that, will be like, okay, I'm going to go and volunteer and plant trees. Unless you're really good at planting trees and you have <laughs> a real passion for planting trees and you grew up gardening, it's probably not like whatever local organization is going to go and plant trees is going to have to spend more time ensuring you plant the tree correctly and teaching you how to plant the tree and whatever it is. Then, then let's say if you're somebody who is really good at marketing and does that in their professional life and could actually like help with marketing skills for this tree planting organization, and you're probably better off sort of volunteering those skills than volunteering your actual tree planting thing. Uh, I, I know I speak certainly from my inability to plant trees in any way <laughs> so it would be meaningful to a local organization yeah i i think that's a great point and and i've got caught up in this myself where i would uh, volunteer or go all in for these things that really didn't utilize my skills or my talents and that i wasn't all that interested in i may have been interested in the larger cause but the the job that i was doing it, it it's hard to sustain that it, you feel burned out you feel like unfulfilled but i think you make the point in your book that you can go to do the things you're good at and the things you like to do there's a need for those things that you bring i think that's a great point one story you mentioned in the book is the the pizza as a tool for good do you remember that story i thought that was a great example of what we're talking about where the um the somebody coordinated an effort during the pandemic so that the doctors and, and medical care and, and nurses, medical staff could get the food they needed while on these long shifts, even though the restaurants were closed. And they brought it in from local restaurants so that the restaurants also could have income and stay in business, even though they were closed. And I thought that's a great thing that goes to your point of identify the problem, identify what's going on in your life that's not working. If you're a doctor, you can no longer get food because the restaurants are all closed and you need food during your, you know, 18 hour shift. Here's a solution. And I, I think a lot of good can come out of um, looking at our own space and our own experience and identifying what we could do to make things a little better, maybe, or look for the organizations that are doing that within your community. Yeah, and I, I definitely in this case it's uh it's uh the the story I recount is Sydney Gracel who's a, a nurse uh, during who was a nurse during the pandemic and and it was her sort of friends who asked her how could we help and the anecdote is she said pizza just sort of send pizza to the mm -hmm. to the woods and that's how that sort of impetus became 
frontline foods, but um, which is this sort of connecting donations of people who wanted to help to restaurants that could stay in business during the pandemic to then um, frontline health workers who could be fed uh, during the pandemic. But if you see there's sort of, there's obviously sort of Sydney as a nurse sort of stepping up and thinking and seeing, um, you know, the problem um, that she was facing and that her colleagues was facing, but it was also, you know, her friends in that sense who said, how can I help mm. and do something meaningful? Like, yeah. And it was not like, come to the, you know, come to the ER and help me hook up people to these machines, because unfortunately, obviously, most people are not qualified pulmonologists. I mispronounced that word, but I, I hope people know what I mean, <laughs> um, to, to be able to do that, but say, yeah, you can donate some money to feed me and my colleagues and keep restaurants in business. And then presumably the restaurants will say, okay, what can we do? Um, and there, there's a few of these who sprung up. It's not just, um, uh, there's a chef, uh, I sp spoke to Dan who, who did this in Red Hook called Red Hook Response. And it was similarly, he was a chef. What did he do during the pandemic? He started cooking. Um, I, I think it's, it was not, uh, primarily for, uh, healthcare workers, but it was for elder people who were very mm. disconnected during mm -hmm. this pandemic and ensuring that. Um, they could access healthy foods during the pandemic. And so, again, it's using his skills as a chef uh, to be able to um, to do his part during this pandemic. And I think that that's, um, I think, you know, in that sense, uh, a small silver lining of the pandemic is there's a lot of people who, who did sort of step up in various ways to volunteer their talents and their skills to to do different things and and that gives me you know I think I start the book with this about this you know the pandemic has revealed the urgency of problems that really can't wait that we can't leave to the next generation and also the um the desire of people to really step up uh, and do something and as well as obviously the death of George Floyd and the renewed racial justice movement so all of that gives me a lot of hope that you know this generation of people, both young but also old, really want to do something and want to lead lives of purpose. Yeah, I, I felt like that. I feel like that, too, in the sense that uh, it seems like we're getting more uh, internal and taking this more personally and not expecting somebody else to take care of our problems. This is not a, a, only a government issue or only one thing, one corporation, we have to make an impact here. It's our responsibility. You say that in the book, not only is it going to make you feel better in your life, you're going to feel more satisfied and contented and purposeful, but it's our responsibility to this planet and to the people and our children and people need us and we need each other. We're the ones that can make a difference. I, I really think this is a hopeful book, but one thing I appreciate Alex is that you get very specific with the things you've been talking about and some things I want to talk about when we get back. We're going to take a short break and talk about how you can start your own impact journey when we come back to Polly Campbell Simply Said on the best business network of Electricast.
And welcome back. This is Polly Campbell. You're listening to Polly Campbell Simply Said on the best business network of Electrocast. And today we're talking about the director of Solve at MIT, talking to Alex Amuel. And she is the author of The Answer Is You, a guidebook to creating a life full of impact. She's also the executive director of Solve, which is at the M at MIT. And it's an initiative to really start changing the world. Is that how you would describe it? To look for innovative solutions, Alex, to make the world a better place? Or is it more specific than that? Um, so here at Solve, thank you, um, Polly, uh, and welcome back for the listeners. Uh, here at Solve, uh, our mission is to drive innovation to solve world challenges. And we do that by hosting what we call open innovation challenges on topics such as climate change, health, uh, economic prosperity and learning, and then asking innovators all around the world, whether they're in the US or on the continent of Africa or anywhere in between, to submit their solutions. And we have various programs. We have a program for youth, 24 and under, which is uh, helping them to also define problems and start prototyping. So it's sort of a bit earlier stage, but we have various programs we offer. But it is really focused on innovation and um, technology to solve world challenges. Uh, the message of my book is definitely broader than that, it encompasses sort of innovation and technology as part of the solution, but also recognizing that there's lots of other things, community organizing, activism, um, and other sort of means to, to have an impact. So I, I don't want people to come away with this thinking, I have to start an app or get onto the blockchain if I'm mm -hmm. going to have an impact. That's, uh, that's definitely not um, the message overall, the book and, and the message I want to do. But solve is more specific. Um, but obviously that makes sense because MIT is, is more specific too. Sure. We have technology in our name. Well, I think in your book, you're very clear that there's not any one solution, right? It's going to take all our personalities and all our talents and all our skills and all these ideas coming together to solve. I mean, these are huge problems we're talking about, but you, the book is hopeful. You think we can do it and you think it starts right now, not only with these uh, international organizations and corporations, but right here at home with our community organizations and our schools and our neighborhoods. What kind of skills do you think make a difference when we're making a social impact? Um, what I say in the book, at least in the first chapter, is really about everybody has their own unique skills and identifying those unique skills and then how they can fit into the problems that resonate um, with you are, are key. So on one answer, it's there's not a specific set of skills or, you know, I guess in that mm -hmm. sense, it's not a typical leadership book, which is do, you know, be these five things <laughs> or do these five things and you will be a great leader. That's, uh, that's, that's not the message of the book, it, it, apart from obviously sort of in that sense, real self-awareness and identifying your unique qualities. At the end of the book in chapter nine, um, which is about investing in yourself and the problem-solving mindset. I do talk about some qualities that make that you can always improve on that sort of just generally will help you in this journey on problem-solving. And one of them is about optimism and sort of, you know, 
keeping an optimistic mindset. Another one is about widening your aperture and really listening and taking in a lot of different perspectives. Um, one of them is to really seek co-travelers and partners and sort of recognize that you can't do it, this alone. And one of my colleagues at ABIT, Rebecca Obunu, sort of says the superhero is the collective, which I think is um, one of the best quotes uh, that I, I gathered mm -hmm. in the book. Um, and so, so yes, those are a few different things that really help anyone on this journey. Um, but I think the broader message is there isn't a sort of ready-made set of skills that make you um, make you a social impact leader. And it's really about identifying what your skills and your lived experience really is and what you bring to the table and what makes you unique. You talk about the value of starting simple before scaling. Like you, you take this as a mission. You don't just throw everything at the problem. You don't overthink the problem either, but you, or the solution, but you start with the solution and you adapt and reflect and notice what's working and scale as you go forward. That's a very practical way of changing the world. Why is it important that we think like that? So I think we, um, especially going back a little bit to, to the technology piece, uh, a little bit of history on solution, sort of social impact technology solutions is that often we jump into the shiny, glitzy technologies without really understanding the problem or really understanding the people affected by the problem and how to go about uh, designing something that meaningfully uh, gathers input and meaningfully um, brings together a community in the solution. So some of that is, um, and sort of the book throughout is sort of an advice of not jumping into the solution um, before you really understood the problem and the people affected by it, before you really both consulted with them and brought them on your team, before you really thought about those things and then to also see what's already out there what what are existing solutions um that you know are, are either showing promise that instead of building a brand new thing be it a brand new nonprofit or brand new technology whatever it is um you can join in on something that's showing great promise or at least understanding what solutions are out there and why they have so far failed either failed because they haven't sort of they're only solving the problem at the margin or they haven't scaled properly and at least on the, and you know through that identifying the barriers and once you've done that then you know you're much better place to either bring a solution that already exists and, and contribute to that or create something new which um which which might you know which has a hope of 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 um of succeeding. And, you know, there's other books that I think um, do a better job at explaining um, the lean methodology, which is what you refer to, sort of starting simple, testing, really understanding the user, iterating as you go. Um, and that would be like, for example, Eric Reese, which um, published the Lean Startup, and then Anne Mei Cheng, um, who then adapted the Lean Startup methodology for an impact um, piece called, and she called the book Lean Impact. Um, so I definitely um, recommend those for, for those who really want to okay. dive deeper into that methodology. 
you personally, and, and all of us, I think, can say this, um, but you personally have been in some real difficult situations. You've seen some of these issues and problems very close up uh, in your career and in your life. How do you keep from getting discouraged? I mean, the problems we're talking about are large and um, they seem to be building. How do you keep working for positive change without getting overwhelmed or discouraged by uh, by the depth of what we're facing? Uh, so sometimes I do. Like I'm not a <laughs> I'm not a superhero, and and you know, just like everybody, I have good days and bad days, and. And sometimes um, it does feel a little bit like a drop in the bucket. And um, that's partly why I wrote chapter nine, uh, which is um, about investing in yourself and taking care of yourself and doing the, you know, some of the basic things and trying to do the basic things better, like sleeping and eating properly and Mm -hmm. meditating and, and recognizing you have to put your oxygen mask on first before helping others. And, you know, in all honesty, sometimes I probably fail at that. And I think I'm not the only one um, in the in the social impact space in general. When you're motivated by your mission and your mission is sort of huge and, you know, it may take your lifetime to see real change or, or even you will not see real change within your lifetime. I think it's easy to get caught up um work too hard and put too much pressure on yourself and things like that which is I wrote chapter nine you know for the audience and the readers but also for myself yeah. <laughs> trying to give myself uh, uh, the own advice that I'd like to follow and sometimes I don't always um, but I think you know and 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 that goes back to something we said earlier you know taking care of yourself and staying optimistic and and celebrating some of the victories, uh, no matter how small, I, I think is is important. And I, I think it's important to remember as much as the last couple of years between the pandemic and the re- renewed racial justice movement and uh, returning to interstate wars between Russia and Ukraine and other things like that, I think it's, it's worth remembering that um, the arc of history is still um, positive for many people this is still um um you know there there are many people in the world who you know are still living on two dollars a day and are refugees and are still but still for most people this is still the best time in history and there has been tremendous progress in terms on infant mortality rate in terms of um of education in terms of um uh, decreasing number of people, the number of people living in abject poverty. Um, so you know, and and that has been through progress and intervention um, of humans and of individuals, mm-hmm. um, and that we then worked as collectives. So I think we have to sort of still bear in mind the longer arc of history and, mm-hmm. and giving us hope and optimism. Yeah, I think perspective is everything. And I think it's also worth knowing that you can make a difference, that you can di- simply by walking in to the room, by taking that action, you change the energy around you. So what energy are you going to bring? Are you going to 
come up with solutions? Are you going to be a volunteer that that takes the system in place and works to change the systems that are no longer working? Because we have to come at this from the systemic end of things if we're going to create real solutions. I think you say that in your book, that this isn't a short-term fix. It's, it's not giving people food for a day. It's also changing the system so that they can get their own food for the rest of their lives. Yeah, and I sort of talk about chapter six is certainly one where, um, you know, it, it was hard to write, but I, I hope that because it talks about privilege and it talks about indeed system issues and, and it's called wrestle with your kryptonite and your, the impact paradox. And it's sort of really thinking about your own shortcomings and the shortcomings of the space and the system. And I think one of the big, sort of takeaways of that chapter is often to change the game, i.e. to change the system, you also have to accept to play in some way with the system. And, and there's a balance between how, how much you can push for change and how much you have to compromise with the people in power and, and sort of accept the reality and be pragmatic. And so that's sort of as, certainly people who've worked in this space a while, but I think even individuals will see that, um, you know, that is a big quandary for people is how much of an activist are you? And mm -hmm. then an agitator and a protester. This is um, Julie Battalina from Harvard's framework, which she asks, are you an agitator, an innovator or an orchestrator? And we need all three of these types of people and for social change movements to be effective is what she says, mm -hmm. but indeed thinking for yourself, how much is it about agitating and protesting um, versus sort of bringing forth solutions versus working within the system to try and get the grievances and the new solutions to work within the system. We, we need all of those things. Mm -hmm. and, and I think often we have to recognize that we can't, you can't burn the system down. You mm -hmm. um, you have to work to change it slowly but surely. Or at least that's my my conclusion. Some people, I'm sure, will disagree with me and say, "No, that we need to burn it down more." Um, than I'm ready to. Yeah. Sure. Well, I think we've we've seen some of that trying to happen the last couple of years, and um, that's not been real effective to deal with the the problems that are, are actually getting more intense for people and, and becoming bigger. We want solutions that can change the system and we have those solutions, right? I want you today, everybody, to let's take a look at our strengths and talents and in life experiences, the things we bring that we can offer and our shortcomings because Often those are part of it too. Know what you have to offer. Make a list today of your interests, the things that you want to bring, the things you're concerned about, and play with some ideas, some solutions. What can you contribute? Then start looking at the opportunities to do that. Do you need to build something from the ground up? In Beaverton, there are, in Beaverton, Oregon, where I live, there are tons of, of community organizations that are looking for people that have just what you have to make a difference. And we can see the success. Those situations and systems and organizations are worldwide. But if they don't fit what you have to offer, start looking at what you can develop and bring too, because I think we have a responsibility to do this. And in the meantime, 
pick up The Answer Is You, a guidebook to creating a life full of impact by Alex Emuel. Alex, this is a fantastic book and you've got me thinking and you've got me feeling good about things. I, I do believe in the power of us and um, we need to keep talking about this so that we can make things better for everyone, um, but create a more sustainable planet for us too, <laughs> for ourselves too, I think. Thank you for being here today. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Um, and I think, yeah, the cool message of the book is uh, whoever you are, wherever you come from, uh, whatever role you want to play, there, there is a place for you uh, in the social impact space. And that's the only way we're going to solve these challenges is if everybody gets involved and, and brings their superpowers to the table. I agree. Where can we find more about your work? Where can we get your book and get started with this? Uh, you can get my book on anywhere that uh, sells book online. And certainly there are there are a number of bookstores as well. So, uh, so obviously, uh, Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, IndieBound, Bookshop.org, etc, at least online. Uh, I also have a website called yourimpactlife.com where um, Bar gives you more information about the book, but also um, some of my writings. And then if you want to know more about Solve, solve.mit.edu. All right. Lots of places to find your work. You can find me at polycampbell.com on social media. And my substack is polycampbell.substack.com. And I get into some more of the personal things I'm doing in my own life as I think through this stuff and my own involvement and my own responsibility. So if you want to kind of get a behind the scenes look at, at how I'm putting some of this to the work, substack.com is the place to do that. Thank you, Alex, for being here. And today, let's go out and think of what we can contribute, the skills and talents and interests we have, and find ways of doing that to change the world. We can do it. I believe in us. And when we do, we will all live well, do good, and be happy. Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here, and I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes, out now on Electric House Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Rafelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to Electricast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electric acid. Electric acid.